There we go. Fabulous. Um, in the last 16 years, if, you, if, if we are new to you, maybe you're recent uh, coming into the church and you don't really know our family, or maybe just the lapse of time since we've been able to, to share and update you, you don't know a whole lot about our family, we founded and operate a ministry called Tactica. Teaching Authorities Christian Truth in Central America. And so what we do, basically, and we'll talk a lot more about it in Sunday School, but our platform for ministry is very similar to medical missions, but we use police tactics. So we like to say that we're probably the only missionaries that have Bibles and bullets in their budget. (laughs) Kind of a cool thing, right? And so we, we... Uh, offer free tactical training and uh, tactical medical training to the Costa Rican government on the agreement that we openly share the gospel. And uh, just to kind of put it in perspective, and we'll talk about the the details during Sunday school, but to put it in perspective, in these last 16 years since we've been in Costa Rica, lived there, grew up, grew our children there, um, we've been able to train just over 6,000 police officers have passed through our door. 6,000. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them have come to faith in Christ. And so we take great joy in that, that the kingdom is expanding. We're going to give you a further report during Sunday school about some, some of the, the details and the individuals and how God is just putting them in positions of influence. But it has been a joy. And Gretchen and I take very seriously the fact that we are the Tabernacles Global Staff the global ambassadors to Costa Rica and to Ecuador, and we're going to see this morning several other countries that are to come. So let's move into it. As we uh, look forward um, towards vision, towards the future, it's also important that we don't forget our past. And if you, if you are a notes person and you're following along in the, in the bulletin, there are some sermon notes. And it says there's a, a, by a means of or by way of introduction, Chapters 3 and 4 of Joshua. Now, we're not going to read all of chapters 3 and 4 of Joshua, so don't get stressed, okay? Uh, we do have the scripture reading in Acts that we're going to be focusing on. But as that is going on, and, and we look at ja- uh, Joshua 3 and 4, we know that this is a time where the Israelites are at that point where Joshua's ready to move them into the Promised Land. They need to cross the Jordan, and the Jordan River is at its highest point. And what happens? God says, take a step forward. You know the vision, you know the promise. And it wasn't until they actually put their toes in the water that it opened up, right? And God miraculously opened up and they crossed on dry land. They went over. And in this particular part in Joshua chapter 4, verses 5 through 7, we see that they, 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 Joshua commands the head of each tribe of Israel, so those 12 leaders, go down into the center. And as you're there, I want you to find that stone. A memorial stone. I want to bring it onto this side, and it's going to be uh, 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 serve as a memorial stone for the generations to come. And so, when the kids that weren't there, that are going to be born, the great, 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 great grandbabies, ask uh, great grandpa, "Why is this? These stones here? We can tell about God's goodness. We can tell about God's faithfulness." So, as we move forward in vision, as we move forward in promise, it's important not to forget God's faithfulness because that's what gives us the confidence to move forward. We know he's been faithful. He's always faithful. He is the definition of faithfulness. And so we can have confidence moving forward with big vision, with big faith, because we have a big God. And so that's what it is. And it says, uh, these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And in verse 9, it actually says, they are still there to this day. 
So uh, our family going through this journey, this missionary journey, we've had some, and because we like to put a little family twist on everything, we don't call them memorial stones, we call them the rot, rocks in the river. Okay, so what have been some of those rocks in the river? Well, the first thing was when we decided way back in 2005-ish that God was calling us to do something greater for his kingdom. Different than what we had been doing. We were serving in our church. I was a, a SWAT sergeant uh, in Kalamazoo, in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Gretchen was a Spanish school teacher. We were involved in our local church, and we just felt like God was plucking us out and saying, I got something different for you. And so at that time, we said, Lord, we're going to follow you because we know what you've done in the past and we got a vision for the future. And that was to reach police officers in Latin America with the gospel of Christ, a people group that had never been reached before, even though the gospel has been in Costa Rica for well over 100 years. And so that's probably for some of you how you remember Ryan and Gretchen and Adriana and Miranda. Because when we left for the field, they were about just almost four and five and a half-ish. And now they're 21 and 23 and soon to be married, as Pastor said, one of them. And the other one already is married. And so it's been a wonderful season of ministry with them by our side. In meaningful ministry together, engaged in seeing God grow the ministry, but seeing God's faithfulness. That's really what we're talking about. Because really, growing tactica means nothing. That is not the point. The point is advancing God's kingdom. And so that's what it's been all about. And we're just, we really, uh, we miss them. But we're in a great season as well uh, where we're so uh, excited for them and just what God's been doing in their lives. We also had another rock in the river. There's been many, but this is another significant. When we came to a point in the ministry where we, uh, that God was doing something so crazy, so not normal, that we had hundreds of people coming to our house for a Bible study. Police officers that would travel two or three hours by bus to come in to San Jose, the capital where we live, to hear the gospel preach. And we got to a point where we're like, after our seventh house and seven moves, in the first seven years, we're like, wow, we, Lord, maybe we need to look at having a bigger building or something to put all these people in. And so we did that, and that's when we had the ability, and God brought financed all of it without us having to come back to America, the purchase of the Tactica Ministry Center. And that picture that you see there is the Ministry Center. That's when we first bought it. That's what we, we said yes to. And it's a dump. It was terrible. It was terrible. But it was in a great spot. It had what we needed. If you could see the vision. And a little bit later, after we did some remodeling and some improvements and security and everything, and we have seen God just do an incredible work there uh, to a place now where we can um, host courses, where we can host teams. We actually live on the property. We have our offices there. And it has actually been said by the Costa Ricans that it is a refuge for them to come into. Oh, that's what we were praying for. That they would have a place where they could get out of the public's view and come in and just be fed by God's word and nourished by all the great food that Gretchen makes. Uh, we just had, I'll explain some more in Sunday school, but just this past, just a few months ago before we came home, uh, the president of Costa Rica was in our building for a graduation. So God's given us an audience with the kings. And we don't know why, but we are going to take advantage and leverage that for the gospel every way that we know how. So as we go into that... 
the, the message here. We wanted to talk a little bit about ministry development so that it kind of leads us into these five E's of ministry multiplication. Now, God has formed the ministry and molded the ministry in our hearts over all these years. It wasn't a creative Ryan and a creative Gretchen that sat down and scratched this all out. It was God working in and through us. But in that, right, as God is working vision, as he is working uh, multiplication and the future in your heart, regardless of what ministry you're in, you have to recognize what he's calling you to do. You have to obey actively what he has said to do. And then you got to step out in faith. This is a key component, right? God calls us to do big things for his glory. And it takes big steps of faith, like crazy, scary, trembling. If God's not in this, it's going to be the biggest failure on the planet Earth. That type of faith. And then lastly, to persevere, to hope and trust, keep your eyes on him. So fast forward, we're at a, a point probably about two years ago where, I mean, the ministry, the ministry, right, the shell of the ministry, the people that we're, we're ministering to, the churches that we're partnering with in Costa Rica, it is going so good. Sometimes we would say to ourselves, we've got to like pinch ourselves. Is this for real? And then we started to get this inner stirring that God was once again saying, all right, you're getting comfortable, and I don't want you to be comfortable. I want you to push you out in faith. I want to push you out to take the next step. And so we found that for us, we were in a time where we understood that to stay in the what we know and to find comfort in the known plan was not the obedient option for us, knowing that God's given her and I, a visionary spirit to lead and to, to cast vision. So we have prayed fervently, and if there's a big process to it, I'm going to talk a little bit about it here in a minute, but we've prayed fervently. We've had lots of vulnerable conversations with uh, pastors, spiritual mentors, ministry partners, and most importantly, we spent well over a year just burying our faces in God's word to, uh, to ascertain, to be clear on the fact what he was calling us to do. Was this really just us wanting something else or was this a push that God was saying, no, step out in faith? And so we've come to the point where we feel God saying again, I want to, you to both to put your toes into the river and step out and see him work. So we find ourselves in a state of transition and transition is not always bad, right? Transition is good. But we believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is not calling us out of the mission field. He's not calling us out of serving him. Really not anything different other than he's calling us to take a larger step of investment into building his kingdom. And so we are, and already have, actually we kind of began last, last year, launch, you've probably seen some of this in our newsletters, Tactica Ministries Global, and that is an expansion of Tactica in Costa Rica. Already we've been in Ecuador for nine years, but on a short-term basis, we want to grow that, and then several other countries that I'll talk about here in just a minute. So it's another big step. We thought for all these years, Costa Rica was the end game, and now we realize that it was just the preparation ground for something bigger, that God's pushing us to take another step. And so this process, like I said, didn't happen overnight. And the Lord has been shaping and molding and preparing our hearts for all these years. So 
what we thought we would do this morning was how God had influenced us, how the scriptures guided and directed us, and how his spirit empowered us to multiply the ministry. We want to share that with you this morning. And our, my prayer is that God's word would challenge you in that process and it would stir in you maybe a new fire in your ministry in this church to take another step of faith wherever God has you in that process. Sometimes it's a small step. Sometimes it's to see if you will take that step. But most of the time, he, he wants us to advance. His, he wants us to advance in great steps, big steps that require dependency on him. And that's what we're going to see. So in your notes, we're going to jump into the five E's of multiplication. And you can write them all real quick right now if you want, or I'm going to go through each one, right? So I'll try to get through this slide so you don't copy them all real quick or, or take a picture of it with your phone. But what we're going to do today, right? So this is a really cool thing. And this was in that process that God showed us this. This passage in Acts 14 that they, they read earlier, what we see is like a, a micro version of the five E's of ministry multiplication. Now, if you look at all of Paul's letters, you will kind of notice that he follows this, these five E's in each of his letters in the New Testament. So engage, which is the first one, is what you'll see in Romans and Galatians. Establish, equip, and empower, you'll see in the uh, letters of Philippians, Colossians, and Ephesians. And in trusting, you'll see it in First and Second Timothy. And you will see what God is going to do in this world. He's going to do it through all of his people. So hopefully you didn't get a chance to read all of those notes around that circle because I'm going to tell them to you here in just a second. But um, we're going to jump into the first one. So E, the first one is E, engage. Engage the culture and the community if you're taking notes. Engage. And where that, find, that finds us in uh, verse 21, in just that first part of verse 21. It said, when they had preached the gospel to that city, and we'll just kind of stop it there, that city being Derby, right? And if you look back into verse 19 and 20, you'll see that they were coming out of a significant trial where Paul was actually stoned for sharing the gospel. And so this E-engage is evangelism. It is a lifestyle of evangelism. Now, there are evangelism uh, explosion. There's all kinds of evangelism tools. There's evangelism programs, and those are all really good things. Those are all tools. But evangelism, for us that are committed as followers of Jesus Christ, is a lifestyle. It's not a compartment that we put Christ into on a certain day of the week, or we schedule him in from 7 to 8 on Thursday nights. It is the way we live. It is the way we breathe. It's the way we operate our lives. It is our, as law enforcement says, it is our method of operation, our MO for living. As followers of Jesus, we are not called to live our lives in a bubble. Rather, we are commissioned to humbly and lovingly engage people in places where they live, work, and play. Engage the culture. Now, um, there is a, uh, a theologian and pastor named Lewis Allen. He's from Hope Church in West Yorkshire in England. He said in his definition of preaching, because as we're reading this, right, I wanted to understand what that word preaching means. And it says this. He says this. Preaching is declaring God's truth in Jesus to the praise of his name. Charles Spurgeon, right, the prince of preachers, says this on preaching. He says, preach you Christ, and Christ, and Christ, and Christ, and nothing else but Christ. Another pastor uh, with the Gospel Coalition describes preaching this way. Preaching is God speaking in the power of his spirit about his son from his word through a man. 
2 Timothy 2, 4, or 4, 2, Paul says to Timothy, preach the word and be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So the word translated preach in this text, the Greek word is actually kiroxon, which I got a little Spanish accent there. I'm not sure how to say it in English. Kiroxon, roxon, I don't know. But in Spanish, kiroxon, which simply means publish or to proclaim openly. So all of us, the point is this, all of us are responsible to engage, to preach to the culture, to preach to those around us. So communicate God's words to others in whatever situation, not in compartments, all across every avenue, every person, every place where we live, work, and play. That is the call and is the engaging process. Now, engaging can happen in a lot of different formats, right? Depending on your profession, depending on where you work, where you're, what you're doing, your friends, the circle of influence that you have. Uh, for us in Tactica, uh, that is primarily because of my military and police background, we use tactical training. Something is just nonsense is that can be used to advance the kingdom of God because it gives us our hook into their life where they trust us. Good tactics lead to them being more safe which leads to them listening to us talking about important eternal components. And that is the key, right? Uh, another uh, component that we have used as part of engaging this culture is in hospitality. And I would, I would challenge you, right, to take a look through the entire New Testament and try to find where you're going to see evangelism happening, engaging happening, without hospitality. In fact, in Acts it says that the, new, the, the early church, they, they lived not together, but they shared together in all things. None were lacking. There was a hospitality factor that was incorporated to that. So we do just that. We involve uh, hospitality in everything that we do. We always have the coffee pot going. We always have, Gretchen always has cookies or some type of food going all the time. And it is a non-stop item uh, at the ministry center and so it involves us taking food sometimes it involves bringing people in but always 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 the point isn't just doing humanitarian aid there are plenty of non-christ focused organizations that do humanitarian aid Everything we do is with the purpose of advancing the gospel. So we look and we guide every conversation. Every cup of coffee is always guided towards the cross. Right? It's to steer them to the cross. It's to get them to think. It's to, to plant those seeds. All that happens in this first E of ministry multiplication, and that's engagement. And... Um, it also means that um, you have to be willing to, we call it redeeming the time, but really interruptions of life, what people call interruptions. We call them post-it notes, right? And we have our beautiful American schedules that we like to put on, you know, in Microsoft every day and every week and every month and have everything programmed, and God just seems to bring in a post-it note all the time. And at first, we were like, why? This isn't part of the plan. We, we have our day laid out. And then we began to realize that God is the one that's bringing these folks into your life. And that these post-it notes, really, that, that journey, that process, with all these people entering, that, that is the process. That's the correct process. And so it's all the time being alert, 
pastor said, have ears to hear, eyes to see. We've said that, what, 10, 12,000 times to our ministry partners. Look around. If we, if we get off our phones and we, we, we open our eyes and our ears, there are hurting people and people in need all around. And God is just bringing them across our path. The problem is so many times we miss it because we're not aware. So that's the first E, engage. Let's go on to the second one. The second E is establish. There it is. Establish biblical foundations. And so that's the second half of verse 21. So back to verse 21 in Acts 14. When they had preached the gospel to that city, there's the engage evangelism, and had made many disciples, not of Paul, disciples of Jesus Christ, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, which is where, if you go back to verse 19, all of the folks were that hated him and they stoned him. They went back to those cities again. So it doesn't matter if we're well received in the presentation. And this is happening more and more in America, right? There, it's the, the mockery, the, the persecution, it's, it's amping up and it's only going to get worse. So it doesn't depend on how we were received. We are responsible to share. So this established uh, phase, or the second E, is it's really discipleship. And so believers are established in the faith and gain strength in their walk with Christ. Living together, celebrating together, eating together, raising kids together, giving the keys of our lives to each other, transparency, hospitality. We have a motto and tactic that says this, living life together according to the scriptures. We don't sit on a hill in a house all enclosed. It's an open door policy. People are in our lives and we want them in our lives and we want them to see us. How many times in our like marriage counseling, one thing that we do so, so often, and people can't believe that Ryan and Gretchen have arguments. And we do. Yeah, we're, we're normal, right? We're individuals and we have differences. But the 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 way that we manage it is, right, is Christ is the focused. We're not going anywhere. We're staying together. We're working through this. And God's going to be the center of it. And so we teach him, even through sometimes our, our weaknesses and our failures, we can magnify and lift up the name of Christ. We fight for each other. We teach other to bear one another burdens. Um, there is a lot in society, almost everything that, that drives us and pushes us towards busyness and independence but God's word does the opposite, right? It calls us to community, sacrifice, inconvenience, and above all, love. Establishing others in the faith requires that we let our days get interrupted. So that's the second one, E, establish. We're going to go on to the third one, is equip. And this is found in verse 32. And in your notes, it would be equip believers to minister. Equip believers to minister. Verse 22 says, strengthening the souls of the disciples encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Paul's saying this from experience, right? Go back again to verse 19. He was just stoned and left for dead. In spite of trials, we're to come alongside, give encouragement, and remain, here's the key, faithful to the, to the teaching and preaching of God's word. Now method and methodology can change. Message never changes never changes. Our world right now wants us to change the message. Adapt it to the current society, the current push, and the current culture. It never changes. God's word's unchanging. Methods 
of how it's shared, of course, can change. We understand that. If you go back to uh, this part about um, th through many tribulations, I don't know if anybody's ever seen the um, military movie called Black Hawk Down. It's, back, it's been several years since it first came out. And it's a pretty gory movie. But there, there's a part in it that's, that's very key. And I've actually got to train with some of the, one of the guys that was actually on Delta Force in that operation um, down in Florida. I got to train with him. But um, there's a scene where the initial attack has happened, the helicopter's gone down, and there is a, uh, a, an army ranger, at least one or one or two, and then there's a Delta Force operator that get left behind somewhere in that whole craziness of what's going on during the fog of battle and the fog of war. And they are trying to escape out of the city to get back to their, their forward operating base where there's safety and security. But there's no trucks. They can't communicate. And so they end up running out of the city. I don't know if you've seen that and remember that in your mind. A long run, hot, all those different things. They're injured. All of these factors playing into it. They get back to the base. And the, rain, the army ranger was like, oh, we made it. And literally he's taking his gear off. He's done. Wiped out. It's over. He did his bit, and it's, it's a done deal. And the Delta Force operator goes over to the cache of weapons and table and supplies, and he begins loading his magazines. He's getting more hand grenades. He's filling his canteens. And why am I telling you that story? Because in this battle, this spiritual battle of sharing the gospel, of multiplying ministry, of moving and advancing God's kingdom forward... It is vital that we understand that, yes, we come back to places like this to recuperate, to reconsolidate, and to resupply. But our mindset as followers of Jesus is always to go back to the battle. We don't stay within the walls. We're called to go out. And we come back to get refreshment. We come back to get fed and to filled and prepared. But we have to go out. That is the mindset. In our family, we've always referred to this. The biblical word is perseverance endurance. We call it stick to activity, right, in our family. It's sticking to the, the, the foundations of the face regardless of the circumstances. And we've been through a couple that have been horrid. We lost a child when we first arrived. We lost three of four parents in 2019. We all went through COVID. Difficult things. And yet, I look back on them and you see God's faithfulness, even in those difficult times, how people go through difficult incidents without faith in Christ, I have no idea. There's no hope. No hope. But we, on the other hand, have hope. Romans 5 talks about that perseverance that it produces character, produces hope. Hope does not put us to shame. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See it again repeated in James. Count it all joy when you pass through trials of various kinds. So what does it look like for us to equip others in the ministry? So we understand it, but what is it like the practical, tangible way that we do this? So for us, it's all about preparing others for service in training them how to handle God's word, the proper way to handle God's word, and to be ready to answer people's questions. If you handle and you know God's word, people are going to see it played out in your life, and they're going to ask questions. They want to know, Ryan, well, how do you, you were on SWAT, and how do you, we get it all the time, how do you, how do you like, manage if you ever had to take a life with God's word? Like, oh, let me tell you, 
Let me tell you how God's Word explains this. And we go to Romans, and we go through the, lots of different passages so that they understand. But you've got to be ready. First uh, Peter 3.15 says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you. Right? And so we've got to be men and women of God's Word that are ready and equipped, there's the key word again, to teach others and answer questions. It also means we can come alongside of them in very tangible ways. Um, with Bibles, with Christian literature, with devotionals, uh, lots of stuff now, of course, online very, that's free. Uh, Gretchen's done cooking lessons, uh, all kinds of things. We've even given to our, our small group uh, several years ago to our national leaders, encouraging them in the area of hospitality. Here's a coffee maker and some coffee cups, and here's a bag of coffee because coffee is essential in Costa Rica, and uh, bringing the people in with the challenge of bringing people into your house. Don't just use this for your family. Bring people in and equip them. Take those times to talk about God and God's Word. Um, we wanted to put it in very practical terms. So uh, for you all, because obviously our, our heart is to see all men and women come to faith in Christ, but God's kind of given us a unique little twist, right, with a, a certain people group. That is kind of the law enforcement or the public safety sector. So we thought we better put our money where our mouth is, right, Gretchen? And so uh, last week I talked with Pastor, well, back and forth with email with several of you, and we decided that we were going to uh, purchase 10 law enforcement Bibles, really nice leather-bound police Bibles. they got all kinds of cool little police nifty things in here. Ten of these police Bibles and ten devotionals. This is a devotional that Gretchen and I wrote and uh, had published. It's called My Tactical Time with God. It's a collection of 45 devotional, the most common 40, the top 45 most common topics that we've hit in counseling and dealing with officers in Costa Rica. I'll wrap up the one. So there's 10 of these, and the pastors will have those, and they can uh, work on how you want to get those out and the best way to do that. But our heart and prayer is that you would use this as a tool, us equipping you to go out and reach, help reach the law enforcement community. And I'm going to talk about it, ooh, i got to hurry, in just a second here, but um, there is such a need right now in the, in the United States within the law enforcement community for the gospel. And they are open. We have, Gretchen and I have had, in the last 18 months, more officers and more police departments contacting us, knowing who we are and what we represent and what we're going to share, asking us to come in and meet with them or come in and teach than we have in the previous 15 years combined. That's what this crazy environment in this world has done to law enforcement. So we don't control it. We can leverage it for the gospel. All right? We've got to move quickly here. We're, missionaries' worst nightmare, right, is to go over on the time. Whew. All right, got to stay focused here, Ryan. Empowering, right? The fourth E, empower disciples to make disciples. That's what we want, ma disciple makers. This is found in verse 23, and this is where we're finishing, right, in verse 23. The first half, the A part of verse 23, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church. So they appointed elders so that the apostles could commit themselves to prayer and fasting, things that were unique to their specific uh, giftedness. And so this empowering is putting people that have been prepared, that have gone through this process, it's getting them to a stage where it's like, all right, it's like with your children, right? You're like, all right, let's go. It's time. It's time to take some steps. We're not going to abandon them. They're not flying solo yet, but we're empowering them to minister and giving them the resources because we prepared and we're cheerleading them on. And we have seen this 
again and again and in this process of Costa Rica in the last really more so than ever five or six years and so we're at a point where we've put a lot of our ministry partners into ministry and empowering them there's a couple guys up there that I'm going to talk about during Sunday school so you're going to have to come to Sunday school to hear their stories but absolutely incredible now let's finish this up with the last and probably the key piece right and this is a key piece not because it's more important, but key piece because it so often doesn't get accomplished. It gets left off. And that is E, entrust. Entrust the ministry to qualified and tested leaders. The second half of verse 23. With prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Elders were placed into the Lord's care, entrusting godly leaders for the overseeing and oversight of new believers and of the ministry. And now we're at a point where we have, after all these years of being in Costa Rica, we're at a point where we have to do this entrusting phase. And i got to tell you, it's scary. Because they're not going to do it exactly like we did it. And you know what? Praise God they're not going to. We've made so many mistakes. Praise God that they're going to hybrid the good, hopefully, right? And move things forward. Never changing the message, but changing some of our crazy methodology, perhaps. And it's hard also because, you know what? This has been our baby for so long. And when you pass it on, and a lot of times, missionaries stay in ministries, or anybody really, stay in ministries, what I call beyond your shelf life. There comes a time where you've got to pass it on to the believers, and God can use you to do something bigger, something else. But it has to be passed on and entrusted to these men of faith. And so we've, we're, we are in the process of doing that. God has already called a, a couple in Costa Rica. They're both lawyers. Their names are Gustavo and Ito. And they are, are what we call Alpha One leaders for the ministry in Costa Rica. Working shoulder to shoulder with Gretchen and I. We're not leaving but we're entrusting big ministry components over to them now so that we have time to invest a little bit more into Ecuador. So instead of once or twice a year for a week, Gretchen and I will now have the ability, the, the bandwidth and the freedom to be able to go and stay three to six months or two months or one month or whatever we, we need to do to strengthen that ministry and move it along in that process. We're also, in part of this Tactica Ministries global expansion, opening a division here in the United States. And so we've been working the last three or four days on a vision retreat where we just, Lord, help us to see and understand and to plan well and to strategize well for what you would have for us here in America as well. And uh, I've already mentioned that the officers here are, are primed and ready we also have uh, expansion efforts that we're going to do, not right away, but in the coming years, into God has opened up clearly a new door for us in Jamaica and in Panama. So there'll be two additional countries that we're going to be planting the ministry in. And the last one is in, uh, it's called Tactica SOG, Special Operations Group. And that's a, a collaborative effort with ABWE, the mission organization that we belong to. And uh, we have been asked that in our expansion, they, we include a component because of kind of the unique skill set that our folks possess that work with us to help train and facilitate the training for all of ABW missionaries across the globe. 
86 countries, a little over 1,100 missionaries. So there's going to be lots of countries. Togo is one of the first ones on our list that we need to get to, but training of new missionaries in these security components as well. So lots of exciting things. And how did this happen? Well, it started off with just uh, that cute little girl over there on my left 25 years ago in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And where is it going? Well, we have to be honest with you. We, oops, let me back it up one. That's right there. Um, we get to this point and everybody wants to know where are you going to go to? We don't know. We're not leaving Costa Rica right now. But I can tell you, whatever that next place of promise is, we're going to go there. If it's Panama, if it's Jamaica, if it's Ecuador, if it's Africa, we don't care. Because it's about advancing the kingdom. It's not about our comfort. And so we ask, while this is exciting news, and Pastor mentioned this, there's lots of exciting things that missionaries report, and we want to have excitement and momentum. But we also want you to join us in prayer. Covenant with us in prayer. Because going to the next place when you don't know what that is, is scary. But we've got to put our toes in the river. And that's what he's asking us to do. Let me close this out in prayer. Father, we just love you so much and we come before you this morning, Lord, and we're so thankful for all that you are and all that you've done in our life. And God, we know that perhaps what I've shared today is challenging and stirring in the hearts of some. And maybe you're working in their hearts to, to say, hey, it's time. Take a step. You've been getting comfortable. You've been in that, that zone of comfort. It's time to put it on the altar and put some toes into the river. And so, God, if somebody here is like that and feeling that, we ask that they would respond to you. And God, maybe there's the other side of the coin where someone's here and they don't even understand what I'm talking about or what the Scriptures were even referring to this morning. And that's because they've never made a decision to repent of their sins and surrender their life to you. So, God, I ask as well, if that is that, if there are that type of person here today, that they would make today, as it says in Corinthians uh, 6 2, first, uh, 2 Corinthians 6 2, Lord, that today would be the day of salvation, that it wouldn't wait any longer, that they would join the team, the winning team, your team, and that they could be put into ministry and established in the faith and walk through these five E's. God, we pray for this church that it would be a place that, that never, never adjusts or um, uh, alters the message, the true preaching of God's word. But we also ask, Lord, that this would be a church, a visionary church that would take big steps of faith in all that we do and say. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.